0: We're joined by Owen Higgins, the senior editor, staff writer over at Common Dreams. Frequent guest on District Sentinel Radio. Hey, Owen. How you doing?
1: Hey, guys. I'm doing okay. Yeah. Hanging in there.
0: Same. 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 So we're going to talk about the Senate race going on in Massachusetts where Ed Markey, well, I think it uh, holds the record for longest serving member of Massachusetts congressional delegation, uh, is being challenged from the right, I believe, and maybe uh, Kennedy would disagree with this assessment, but pretty clearly, from my perspective, being challenged from the right uh, by uh, a, a legacy case, Joe Kennedy III. And Kennedy is performing pretty well in the polls right now. Owen, oh, what is what has been the justification put forward by Joe Kennedy and supporters of Joe Kennedy? And we can get into these supporters because it's pretty surprising who is who is behind this bid to knock off a, a Democratic incumbent. Um, what is the what is the rationale for challenging someone like Ed Markey?
1: You know, it's interesting. Um, they haven't ever really. Give, I mean I'm talking about him and his campaign um I've never really given a, a very concrete reason
2: Yeah, that's for what it. I thought
1: <laughs> it, yeah it's been it's been like um they, they've kind of made noise about like you know time for a change time for something different um you know uh, a just a bunch of like kind of empty platitudes and in, in that I'm not like specifically criticizing Kennedy all politicians do this but there hasn't been like an actual reason given for why Marquis should go in favor of Joe Kennedy. Um, and I would say that's like the official line. The implicit line is that a Kennedy wants this seat and therefore must be allowed to have it. <laughs> and the fact is that Elizabeth Warren is too popular, and too well known, for Kennedy to go up against. Because uh, I don't, I, I don't personally think that he has that uh, political courage slash desire to lose, and so he's going to go after Markey, who's less well known, and is uh, you know kind of kind of just like a nondescript member. Of Congress in the Senate you know through his career uh, not that he hasn't done uh, a lot while he's been there but he he's, he's been like one of the more low-profile kind of uh, you know members of Congress I think that if I hadn't lived in Massachusetts for so long I, I would not have known his name until until this happened
0: well Markey has though made his sort of main fight in in i remember this in 2000 uh 2009 he was uh pushing for the the cap and trade bill which you know was a pretty watered down bill um but at the time it seemed to be like the the farthest uh the farthest what it seemed to be what was most practical at the time or what could be accomplished in our, our realm of possibility. Certainly that's changed over the last decade. But, uh, and then Markey, this term, uh, sided with AOC and became one of the main proponents in the Senate of a Green New Deal. Joe Kennedy, I, I mean, I, I hadn't paid that much attention to him in recent years, but I do remember Joe Kennedy as being staunchly anti-marijuana, for a lot of his lawmaking career, and I do remember him being staunchly uh, a deficit hawk, constantly worried uh, about the deficit. Um, this is this is a challenge from the right. I, I alluded to this earlier, but there's no other way to describe this other than Democrats are trying to knock off someone who's somewhat progressive and replace them with someone to the right. Although Markey has, or although Kennedy, I guess has. Uh, changed his view on a lot of these, these issues.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there are, well, there are two competing, they're not really competing. They're kind of the same thing, but there, there are two technically different uh, aspects of this that you're referring to here. One is Kennedy's uh, challenge of Markey and why, which we already discussed. And then the other one is why, Democrats like Steny Hoyer and and others are supporting Kennedy's challenge to Markey. And it's hard to look at those positions that Markey's taken, you know, as far as climate and environment go and not, you know, kind of draw the conclusion that this is a, uh, a seat that the that the kind of center right of the party would like to take away from somebody who is, who is to their left, um, and yeah, Marky's Marky's record on some of this stuff has been pretty good, and Kennedy's has not. Although, um, his office, after I wrote I wrote a piece last week about Steny Hoyer, uh, co-hosting a fundraiser for Kennedy, and. You know his his campaign wrote me a very angry email, talking about how, um, you know, Kennedy was was a was you know a a big climate advocate and um, that Markey had to give back donations from fossil fuel interests or something like that, fossil fuel industry interests, which is true, although the money that he gave back was nothing compared to Kennedy's personal investments in the fossil fuel industry, which are in the millions. Um, and it also kind of begs the question. And then I didn't really bother to respond to this email that I got, but the, but if I had the question I would have asked him, I'm like, okay, then why are these people backing Kennedy? If, if there's no expectation that he's going to run to or govern, I guess, to Markey's right. Then why are these people who are well to the right uh, backing him? And the answer, of course, is that uh, Kennedy is running uh, on a platform that he doesn't believe in because he wants the seat, and the uh, you know he, he's just he's just saying things to get elected that are different than what he was saying. Like there's the 2012 clip, the deficit Hawk clip. I think that one is like really revealing. Yeah. Not because I think that it indicates a deep seated belief on the part of Kennedy. I don't, I don't think that he has any deep seated beliefs. I think that the fact is that in 2012, this was the line that you used if you wanted to be taken quote, very seriously Close quote by like the uh, the political establishment, and so that's what he did. And now that the political winds have shifted, now he's going to say that he supports, uh, you know, the Green New Deal. Well, no, actually, he hasn't said that, but because he doesn't. But you know, something something more to the left on climate. This guy can't be trusted. Uh, not that any politician can, but I don't think the Kennedy can be trusted on this stuff and. know, Massachusetts voters will eventually have to, you know, they'll ultimately have to make their own decision on that. But uh, he is polling ahead of Markey, So
2: one of the more troubling aspects of this story is uh, the names that are lining up to support Joe Kennedy. And I kind of struggle with the takeaway from this between two things. One, which is that the Congressional Progressive Caucus is a joke, <laughs> and that it, it, it just, it, well, yeah, it's a joke. I don't know if I can say any more than that. Or two, that some of the more left-leaning Democrats in Congress, in the CPC, they just have such a poverty of imagination in terms of how they can advance their ideas, and they're relying on that old, shitty, a democratic idea that, well, they're just some political families, you know, like the Clintons, the Kennedys. They see Joe Kennedy the third as taking his his rightful seat, sort of a, a kind of thing. Like, um, just kind of uh, glossing over that whole idea of a political aristocracy. But I want to I want to note some of the names. We have uh, Mark Pocan, the uh, CPC co-chair. We've got Raúl Grijalva, the former CPC co-chair. Uh, Jamie Raskin, another member of the C- Progressive Caucus. Although, I mean, from what I've seen from Raskin, you could very strongly question his prog- his left wing credentials. Anyway, um, Owen, oh, what's what's your takeaway uh, from? members of the CPC lining up behind Joe Kennedy, the third? Uh,
1: I mean, it's not ideal. Um, (laughs) you know, Raskin probably not one of the more progressive members of the CPC, I guess, if that's a, a way to put that, um, poking. And I was definitely disappointed. I didn't expect to see that from him. Um, I mean, that's kind of, it, I guess the question is kind of, there are two kind of questions there. If I'm reading that right, is that like one just kind of what's up with the CPC? Why are they backing him? And two kind of more general question about the CPC. Is that right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I just wonder, like, <laughs> do you think this says something about the CPC, uh, in terms of how left they actually are or is, uh, maybe they're just completely misguided and, um, well, I guess it's also it also shows that they're not as left as they actually are if they think like some scion of a political family deserves a seat in the Senate just on his last name alone and because of who his family is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just don't like, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I guess the CPC has done a lot of things that have really disappointed me over the last like month alone. Um you know, refusing to whip votes against the Heroes Act, um, which was a Jayapal decision, and usually I I don't, I don't find her quite as disappointing, um. But they, I don't know. I mean, it just it kind of seems from the outside looking in that they're uh, that they don't know what they want to do or what they want to be, and they're like going halfway in the direction of, like, a, an appeal to the party elders and establishment so that they can get a seat at the table that way. And then sometimes they go in the other direction of, like, we're just going to kind of take the Freedom Caucus approach um, and hold up legislation. Although in fairness, they never do that. they've never done that. Never do that.
2: They never fucking do that.
1: But yeah, but so like the thing, so thing is that if you're gonna talk like you're gonna do the latter and then not do it, and then deliver these concessions to the party establishment that they didn't even ask for, but are kind of like implied and like, okay, well look, we'll we'll back. Kennedy over Marky because if we do that, I mean, you know, I'm just hypothesizing what they're thinking, but like, you know, if we, if we do that, then, you know, that'll show that we're, that we understand the game and we're willing to play. And, and, uh, you know, it'll, it'll show that we're adults and we're, we're, we should be allowed to sit at the table and like, and it's kind of like going, it, so the, the only, while there are these two competing impulses, it's only the one that, um, ends up fucking over progressive ideals that they end up actually taking any real action on. Yeah. So it's just like, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's really any hope for a real left politics to have like electoral success and take over the democratic party from within the democratic party, the way that it's set up, like with the CPC. Well, there's no, co- you know, because if you look at like, if you look at the members, the 60 members, I mean, there are a number of them who are not ideologically in line with even what the caucus says.
0: Right. Right. They're just <laughs> a
1: part of it. They're just, they're just in it. They're just like, Oh, I'm just going like, it's like uh I don't it's know. Like like a, it's like a the, high
0: school club. <laughs> they're, right. they're trying to get a bunch of, you know, resume builders by being like, oh, I'm on all these caucuses. But with the Progressive Caucus in particular, it's more nefarious because, I I mean, I remember at the beginning of this congressional session how there was so much energy about how big the Congressional Progressive Caucus is. And they're up to 60 people now and they they can actually... Uh, make an inf- make an impact. And we, of course, know that didn't happen because the growth of the Progressive Caucus is just a bunch of moderates joining the caucus. And I speculated at the time that that was part of a strategy by Pelosi in leadership when they promised the Progressive Caucus that they would get uh, a, a percentage number of leadership spots or committee spots compared to what they make up in the caucus. And all of those spots went to the most moderate members of the Progressive Caucus, almost like a bunch of moderates joined the caucus because they knew they would get consideration to sit on committees because Pelosi owed the caucus that. So, um, And now you're in a situation where a lot of these moderates are just siding with you know, trying to play nice with leadership, as you said, and siding with Joe Kennedy, who I guess maybe maybe he's like a colleague of theirs so they know him better i don't know maybe he's been better behind the scenes at like making his case than ed markey has to get all these people uh on board because i i'm not getting the sense from like especially someone like mark pocan it doesn't seem like it's about ideology for him it seems like as you said oh and it's like signaling to leadership that you're on the same team um I don't know, but uh, moving on, uh, the, the the real th- interesting thing about this story, and I I know charges of hypocrisy don't mean much, and people who are you know have power and maintaining power, they don't care about hypocrisy. They'll take different positions to keep power, and that's fine because they, could, at the end of the day, you want to keep power. And I think Steny Hoyer is practicing this when he says, you know, when he creates these uh, rules for. Challenging uh, incumbent Democrats and essentially blacklists uh, firms from working with progressive challengers and then turns around and gives full support for a challenge against a Democratic incumbent. Uh, so blatant hypocrisy. I don't think that calling Steny Hoyer a hypocrite here really means much, but I'm just curious if Hoyer has attempted to make any justification for this, how one is different than the other.
1: You know, I have not seen that. I haven't um, either. <laughs> but, but I think that what he is is doing is, I mean, Hoyer is, Hoyer, I, I think Hoyer is probably never going to be speaker, right? Like, the, probably after Pelosi, it's going to be somebody much younger. So this is probably the extent of his political career, to be the House Majority Leader, which is an incredibly, incredibly powerful position in Washington.
2: It's Very but, optimistic, Owen. <laughs> no, 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 no. You no. <laughs> might be a little more optimistic me. than me, but fair point. You,
1: you misunderstand me. I'm not saying that who takes over after Pelosi is going to be good. I'm just saying that it's not going to be Hoyer. Because sure,
2: I— I just think it's it's going to be bad, and it's probably going to be Hoyer.
1: <laughs> all right, well we can we can we can revisit this. This this can be like my uh, maybe I, maybe this is my Kirsten Gillibrand prediction all over
0: again. I can't imagine uh. that Pelosi in 2022 or whenever she said she's going to step down is then going to hand it off to Steny Hoyer. I mean, you're right, Sam. We should assume the worst, but I I do think that they're smart enough to give it to someone just as bad as Hoyer but younger.
2: Well, it's decided by the members, and the Democratic caucus is made up of a bunch of fucking scoundrels. And at the end of the day, we all thought Dianne Feinstein was too old to win re-election in 2018. I mean, I certainly did. And Hoyer is what, like a decade younger than Feinstein? Yeah. Sorry, it's I didn't to get a sidetracked here. No, I mean, I I say- I, 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 get, I get very... Uh, Blackpilled when I think about Stinny Hoyer. <laughs> um, maybe, guess, he's, maybe he
0: loses to Michaela in a month.
2: <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. Fuckingly. That'd be amazing.
1: That'd be amazing. I think uh, my my prediction is that Ayanna Presley will be Speaker of the House at some point in the next couple of decades. And that's just like, I, I just think that that is a likely outcome because of how she is handling her career as opposed to uh, the other members of the squad and uh, kind of her career in Massachusetts as well but anyway that's like a total digression I'll just I'll just put that prediction there just in case it happens <laughs> um, but yeah I mean Hoyer's hypocrisy here um, yeah I just don't think he cares I think that the DSCC and DCCC blacklists have had the desired effect. They have pushed progressives um, to think twice about challenging incumbents. They have stopped consultants and um, advisory groups from working with progressive challengers to incumbents. I mean, you know, like this stuff has been going on for a year. The effect has already had, like, they, like it's already had the effect that they wanted. That's over. So at this point, who cares? Who cares if the, you're then shifting your position because what you wanted to happen happened. Um, you were able to cut into progressive challengers to establishment Democrats, like, uh, like our friend. Uh, Henry Cuellar in Texas, um, who survived the primary challenge and others. Um, Michaela is probably not going to unseat Hoyer, uh, just because of his incumbency and power and probably because, uh, of the, the challenges to building an effective, uh, organization to challenge him now I hope that she does I hope that I'm wrong about that but yeah hoping um, for
0: a Dave bratt repeat but on the left
1: right right I mean that'll be that, that'd be
2: incredible um, it's also it's also a huge district if I'm not mistaken the uh, Maryland six or fifth uh, I should really know this it's one or the other but when AOC uh, took down Joe Crowley, we're talking about a district that public transportation could get you from one side of the district to the other. And I don't, you know, not really the same with, with this district, just the geography of it itself is daunting.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows, maybe maybe she can, but the point is, I think more- Let's than-
2: go, Michaela, let's go!
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we all, uh, we're all pretty clear on where we, what we want to happen there. But I think that, you know, ultimately from Hoyer's perspective, uh, the work of the consultant blacklist is done and now it is time to make sure that, uh, incumbent progressives can be taken down as well. Uh, you know, I had been working on. Ultimately, this, this story didn't pan out, but I did work on last year a little bit of a story about how the DSCC blacklist for some reason was not applying to Kennedy. Um, and you know, even even then it was obvious, but but this does seem like a bit of an e- escalation. Um, for the House Majority Leader, one of the most powerful Democrats in the country, to actually host a fundraiser for a challenger to a sitting democratic incumbent, um, which was also, you know, attended by Jamie Raskin, another Maryland Democrat. Um, so yeah, that's my take on that. Just, just kind of like the, the success was already there of, of the strategy. And so, um, charges of hypocrisy for Hoyer just don't matter because he just doesn't care.
0: Yeah. I feel like, I feel like Marky should be making a bigger deal of this than he is. He's kind of trying to take the high road here and just focusing on like his message and campaign rather than like attacking Steny Hoyer for supporting a challenge to him. But maybe you don't, maybe you don't win doing that, but still he's, he seems to be uh, not that upset by everything that's going on, or at least not showing it publicly.
1: Yeah. I think he's pissed. Um, that's my understanding, uh, just from stuff that I have, uh, whispers that I've heard.
0: Yeah, he's got um, uh, he's got this 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 dweeb who uh, who, who he, Joe Kennedy gave the the Democratic response to the State of the Union a few years ago. and was terrible, it, like bombed. And he had those that weird mouth thing going on the whole time. And now he thinks he can parlay that into a Senate run.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he does, he does have like the support of most of the Massachusetts delegation, um, including Warren, but I haven't seen, you know, Warren out on the wait. Show who has Markey. the support.
0: Marky has the support of Marky does. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. But you wouldn't know that, right? Because she hasn't really come out and done anything. Yeah. Um, And I kind of wonder, like, why not? I know that... um, So, I I was in um, New Hampshire, like, right before the primary. And I was talking to some uh, Massachusetts-based journalist there. And they were telling me, like, like Massachusetts-based and, like, Focus. And they were telling me that um, Warren endorse markey because she couldn't not right like there was like there was there was no she could not in- endorse kennedy over markey yeah but that it was kind of understood that she was trying to stay out of it as much as possible especially because she was running for president uh, but that she but that she had gotten the endorsement of both kennedy and markey and that Kennedy had promised to do a bunch of fundraisers for her, like, and, and speeches and stuff leading up to New Hampshire and was all set to do them. And then as her polling numbers started to drop, he just like started canceling them. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, that's what happens. Like, you know, but what I think is interesting is like, why hasn't she been like going out to campaign for Marky then? Uh, Maybe it's because she's running for vice president right now. But
0: yeah, yeah, she's now trying to play as nice with the party as possible. And it seems like the party line here is don't cause too much trouble. And, you know, if if Joe Kennedy
2: beats Marky, fine, <laughs> we're not going to really are, uh, a few months left until the actual primary. I believe it's September 1st, but I mean. Me personally, my feelings are is that Warren probably won't campaign for Markey because even though she endorses him and takes the correct position on paper, she defers to uh, party leadership and the center of the party nine times out of ten. Yeah, Warren
1: is not going to go out and start campaigning for Marky until Kennedy dips in the polls. <laughs> Period.
0: Well, I guess we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on this. We've got a long uh, summer to watch this race and see if, uh, see if uh, Joe Kennedy can be exposed. See if Marky <laughs> can expose Joe Kennedy. Uh, Owen Higgins, senior editor, staff writer over at Common Dreams. You can follow him on Twitter at Owen Higgins underscore. I'll spell it E-O-I-N-H-I-G-G-I-N. S underscore Owen thanks for uh, coming on the show anything you want to plug I'll
1: just say uh, people want to go check out Common Dreams
0: and
1: we put up content tons of content every day with our staff and our opinion slate so check us out
2: it's a great website CommonDreams.org. dot org check it out that's yeah. right not, not a
1: single here? advertisement not a single advertisement on that uh, on that website. That's what ever. we like.
0: That's what we like. Uh, yeah. Owen, Owen, I'm I'm noticing on your Twitter account you follow 999 people. Is that on purpose? Are you one of the people who keep your following under a thousand? Uh,
1: yeah, I do, <laughs> I do. Um, and it's not it's 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 like kind of an arbitrary number, but the reason is that I try to just curate it so it's not overwhelming. Because yeah. the algorithm, it's hard enough to, like, manipulate the algorithm to see what I want to see. Um, but I find that the more and more people that I end up following, the more that it kind of pushes people that I want to see their stuff out of the way. And then when I try and, like, look at their profile a couple times to, like, get their stuff back on, then it bumps off something else. So it's like a constant struggle mm. to to uh, curate the feed. And then I just feel like adding more and more people but like yeah i mean honestly let's just be real about it it's like a kind of little ocd thing
0: well i'm honored to be one of the 999 owen and uh it's it's almost as big of an accomplishment as being one of the 454 that rob schneider follows <laughs>
1: wow that that is going to be my that's my new white whale right there
0: there it is be oh,
1: 455
0: there it is owen higgins thanks so much for coming on the show
1: Thanks a lot, guys.